you are listening to the Niagara Moon Podcast. I am Thomas Irwin. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This week, I'm chatting with another uh, musician that I recently connected with online. Very talented guy. His name is John Clark. We kind of discuss why uh, pinning yourself down to specific genres is, is tough. It's a tough thing to do, but uh, you could generally describe his style as neo-psychedelic. He's released hundreds, if not thousands, of songs online. He's very prolific. He does lots of instrumental music as well, uh, music featuring his own voice. He's had uh, 8-bit video game remixes of his songs. Uh, he's, he's done a lot. He's, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades musically. He's a very friendly guy uh, living over in Missouri, I believe. He's a family man. Uh, in fact, the whole reason he makes music is to uh, leave a legacy behind for his children to listen to, which I thought was pretty cool. One of his videos I checked out online features his daughter sort of uh, singing, rapping over uh, the song Princess Unicorn. That was a very entertaining watch, for sure. I definitely recommend checking that out on his YouTube page. He also has all his stuff up on Spotify. He's on many different channels. If you uh, if you want to go kind of to, to the central place to uh, to dig into his work further, uh, his website is deaththerapy.net. Um, so let's kind of kick things off, shall we? I'll play you a little snippet of one of his most acclaimed tunes. Uh, it's called Stick Folk Dream Part 2 from his album Cicadia, which is kind of like a, uh, a concept album about bugs. One of his uh, many interesting projects he's done. But uh, yeah, John Clark. Life wake me up before time takes me Yeah, whenever I, uh, I'm working with other musicians and maybe it's their first album, they're, they're starting to put original music out there, I think everybody has to run into the idea that you're not going to be totally happy with the final result, no matter what it is. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe some people can be, but I, it's like when you get that close to it and then especially when you have to like tweak very fine details when you're going over the mistering, uh, mixing or mastering process, it's like... You're going to have to learn, accept that you're not going to feel great about it for a while. Kind of the thing, yeah, if I was a perfectionist, I might not have any songs yeah. released. <laughs> yeah, perfectionism is not, fatal, really. I can, I can. So. Yeah, no, I definitely picked up on like a kind of spirit of like, when I'm creative, I do this and it flows and then I'm going to put it out there and share it with you. Like you're not overthinking anything too much and it's like... Uh, it's almost like I imagine you sitting down and feeling inspired and laying down all these different parts and just just feeling it, putting putting it all into place, and then you're like, okay, I got it. Like you're kind of capturing uh, just certain moments of inspiration right? rather than like too, being too analytical or like overly methodical or something. Yeah, it's, for me, it's just kind of how I document my life, and some, some things are just stay instrumental, some things sound happy, some things sound sad. Um, I think it's kind of the psychological battle probably we all have, but everybody at a different level of um, almost mental illness, but uh, how 
how we show that with our music. And so I always document parts of my lives. I think I've released albums on all my kids' birthdays and things like that and special dates and special wow. things that have happened in my life. Um, is uh, I really, in 2013, started putting out music when my first daughter, Kylie, was in the womb. And I was kind of like, man, I, I have these kind of cryptic thoughts sometimes like, what if I died before she was born or what if I died when she was a baby and they didn't, my kids didn't get to grow up and know me or meet me. And so I'd want them to hear my voice in different ways and different things. And so, uh, that's what some of the songs are about. They're kind of messages to my kids, uh, for when I'm not here and, uh, others too, but, but that's what kind of spurred it on really. Um, I mean, I showcase my kids too. I'm, I think some people might have a problem with that, you know, but... Um, oh, I love the uh, Princess Unicorn video. Yeah, Princess Unicorn. That was uh, great. I had to put it on Spotify even, you know, just to, in case it became a viral video, I could pay for Kylie's college with it. Um, hope someday it doesn't embarrass her too much, but Princess Unicorn, <laughs> I think, was pretty amazing. And, uh, yeah, she's definitely got the gift. I think... Everything I'm doing oh, with she's rocking on that one. Everything I'm doing in music, yeah. I feel like I'm just laying the groundwork for Princess Unicorn now at this point. That's great. Yeah, they are kind of like um audio journaling or audio diaries almost like it has that feel to it. Yeah. And uh and you can tell there's no label or somebody behind it saying like, "Oh, you shouldn't release that or you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that." I just do it all because that's that's what You're it is. You're DIY all the way, yeah. Yep. Yep. I could probably write a book about, um, you know, the cheapest way to be an independent musician, you know, with, with so many jobs and so much to do out there. There, you know, if you're not a person who's, you know, because I don't even finish some of my songs, you know, I, I, I enjoy getting them produced from different producers that I enjoy and like and other friends and people. Um, but there are 15 to 20 jobs to do <laughs> to try to do something with music. So it's, um, taxing and frustrating and all that. And that's up. Some days I'm just on social media too long instead of playing my guitar or writing or working on something, but kind of having yeah. to do it all. Yeah, I think uh, many musicians can definitely relate to that. Um, how, so you mentioned 2013 um, is when you kind of got a lot more impetus to really put your stuff out there but uh, how how long have you been um in the music game how long have you been uh, creating uh i mean i grew up i grew up playing saxophone in school and then i traded it in for a guitar and then i never really learned theory <laughs> with guitar so uh and i kind of enjoy that I, I i know bits of theory and this and that but um some people can listen and be like yeah he's self-taught or some people don't even know and that's what's kind of cool about it but I don't box myself in by any of those constraints. Um, and also, the older I've got, I've made my songs simpler. I think when I was younger, I was really playing with my loop station a lot and trying to really learn how to shred in a way and, and fill as many notes in as possible. And that now, uh, a lot of my songs don't even have guitar solos. Uh, and some of them not even played by me. I find better guitar players now to, mm -hmm. to put a solo on a song for me or something. But... Um, some of that, I think, is the landscape, too. I know nowadays Spotify, a real curator on there, wants a two- to three-minute-long song, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, so I, I'm not really totally trying to conform to that, but I have found some of my catalog that's like, hey, I have a nine minute long song, but the guitar by itself is great. I could just put a, you know, a second version of that song out, just guitar for two minutes of it. And it's the same song, but it now fits a um, hundred thousand different playlists that it didn't before. Yeah. So you're all about uh, Spotify, you'd say? Uh, I just it pulled me so in. Your main focus. Yeah, it pulled me in. It's 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 fun for me now. Uh, just a lot of the different ways to find playlists and different groups of people who are trying to do it, and the camaraderie of that, and the networking of that has really um, introduced me to a lot, like the world landscape of musicians and artists. And now they're remixing my songs and doing songs with me. So that's even cooler that. Um, you know, I just put out a song with a guy in Croatia and a different guy in Australia, both songs released this last Friday and, uh, are finding their own different lists and and success. And it's just neat and fun. I, the way I'm thinking of it now is I'm just throwing uh, a web to another country and I want to, I want to create, um, had the lofty goal of maybe creating a web to every continent. And then I finally Googled that nobody really lives in Antarctica, um, except for like a handful of scientists so maybe there's a scientist there writing a song he wants to do a collaboration with me and maybe he'll hear this and find me there must be at least one guitarist i think some people have been born there uh so but either way uh setting those kind of um you know i i do uh i was a high school guidance counselor for a decade and i have a couple master's degrees in, in counseling and education and things like that and so i had to talk about writing a five-year plan to kids all the time so i I finally did it for myself at one point. I said, I'm going to do five albums in five years. And I managed to do that, but I really stressed myself out with it because that's a pretty lofty goal. And some of those albums had like 18 to 20 tracks on them instead of just like, you know, seven or eight. Yeah, you're... you're, Yeah, you kind of push the format with with each release. You know, get one song done a month or something. You know, not not thinking of it five in five years, you know, I'd have a heart attack. But, oh, I'm, I'm doing, it's January, I, I really need to finish this one song kind of yeah. thing. And in that process, I accidentally wrote three more that aren't finished but are, are budding. And so um, those goals, I, I know my last goal like that that I did was to, you know, collaborate with nine different artists um, around the world that we'll share in the songs, but we'll manage each other in a way. We'll have each other's backs and we'll have like a lifelong baby of this song together that um i think is pretty cool that's pretty liberating when you realize that um your creative work and who you can collaborate with it's not at all limited to your local area it's actually in the last month it's been easier for me to do some of these collaborations just back and forth with messenger and email than it has been to get some of my better friends musician friends from the area to come out and record or jam or play Uh, and part of that is I have a super busy life with the family and the work and everything else. Yeah, of course. Um, it's it's kind of weird that I've gotten this far with music because of the very small time I've had to do it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. How uh, I was kind of curious. How much of your week are you able to um, fit in uh, creative efforts? Is that balance kind of still I... a struggle for you? If you you found your um, your routine with it. Uh. So that's something I feel like I struggle with. And I'm not if nearly I think as, uh, people in my life realize that I don't have the balance I need when I don't get one music night a week or something. And they're like, man, John yeah, needs yeah. his music night or something to kind of bounce back. And, you know, I notice it myself, you know, it is my therapy and it, it, 
what it's like a meditation and even if i'm not even recording or creating a lot of times i just take my acoustic guitar down to the dam of the big lake where i live and as the sun's going down it's just hearing the the birds and the in the cicadas and um writing the songs watching the sunset on the water i mean that that's where a lot of my songs have come from but uh more so than that that's where a lot of my therapies come from getting to do that and so um, I think I suffer a little bit more in the winter when I can't do that. It's not the same, you know, bundling mm. in the corner of my little studio room and trying to do it. So I think there's that kind of seasonal depression thing that hits me a little bit. And I think you can hear that in my music. Hey, he's got a summertime song. Hey, he's got a crippling, yeah, depressive song. What season it is. <laughs> yeah, by the uh, the tone of the song. And that's that's my life. And I think that's everybody's life. So I think people can relate to that. But you know, I certainly don't just re- release happy songs, or I certainly don't just release depressing songs. I, th- I hope to have yeah. a mix. No, that that uh, that certainly sounds familiar to me. Um, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised at all to hear that you uh, play outside a lot or um, come up with ideas outside. Um, that uh, that almost called us cicadia. Yeah, cicadia. That really, I mean. To me, I took that as just like almost like a concept album about insects. Yeah, I had a... Just very, very interesting. uh, An experience with a grasshopper in college uh, named Hoppy, and I wrote this song, Hoppy, and it was my first song that I wrote down on paper that, hey, I wrote this song. It's like a love song to a grasshopper, and uh, I really liked that, that um, it wasn't too, uh, you know, female or what. (laughs) It's not the typical love song. Um, but then yeah. I, eventually I decided to do the whole concept album of Hoppy and his journey to Cicadia, and Cicadia is bug heaven. So my idea of that is kind of like a yellow submarine-type uh, cartoon about these bugs that he meets along the way, and they finally you know, realize they are dead, but they find Cicadia, and they, they find bug heaven and the promised land. And it's, it's a neat idea in my head. I've, I've got the album out now. I don't have the movie yet, but... Working on the movie next? Yeah, maybe someday. Get some animators on board. Very cool. Um, yeah, I did. I was uh, checked out some of your animations on YouTube. I thought it fit the um, the sound very well. In, you, in, uh, you had working on that? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and honestly, I cheated on those that uh, I'll just give the little indie pro tip. You know, one year I found Fiverr and there's some total crap on Fiverr, but there's some total cool things and cool people that you can find out there too. Uh, I've had some really horrible things happen there, but I've found a couple producers that I still use today. I've found a couple videographers that I still use today um, and different things like that on Fiverr. And so some of those Cicadia videos were made for $20 a video on oh fire and and it looks Never like i know. went and recorded and had that awesome footage and did this or that and hopefully it's not breaking any totally. laws or copyright issues yeah, but yeah. uh super cheap from super talented people from around the world who just want to on their side hustle is you know putting videos together yeah no i had um i had an animator in germany make a couple of animated videos for a couple of my songs thought it turned out really well and was pretty budget friendly and everything so yeah, Fiverr. If any of you out there are getting a creative endeavor going, if you pick carefully, if you're uh, if you're selective in the right way, you can get good results. It might take ten deals to find one person you want to keep and work with for a while, but they are there. Yeah. And and um, just got to be persistent. Yeah, I did my whole Greatest Bits album on Fiverr. That was my Fiverr album, 
it's a, a chip tune album of 39 of my songs. So um, I had eight different chip tuners from around the world uh, work for hire, create these versions of my original music to 8-bit sounding, Nintendo sounding, 1980s I was very surprised stuff. when I found that in your catalog. It's so different from from uh, your other stuff on there, but it's like, wow, it's could make a video game soundtrack out of this. I have a lot of nostalgia about just myself. Those things, thinking about my childhood, there's things that I, you know, a 37-year-old should probably stop talking about Fraggles or something, um, but I still do, and... Uh, um, you know, the movie Labyrinth, the movie What About Bob, the movie Clockwork Orange, these weird movies of my life have showcased in, in some of my songs, so, um, and I guess I have kind of a cinematic vibe about my music in a way that some of it could be possibly soundtrack music more so than, like, something you'd hear on the radio for pop or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you seem to um, really like to dial in an atmosphere. That was something I noticed. I mean, a lot of, and a lot of your stuff ends up being instrumental mm-hmm. as well. Huh. Yeah. Um, I was, so I was kind of curious. Um, sometimes I identify myself as uh, doing psychedelic music, de- depending on the song, and uh, you seem to identify as a neo-psychedelic uh, composer. What to you is um, the meaning of psychedelic or psychedelic music, do you think? This is another struggle of mine and genre in general. Um, Somehow my music fits about 15 to 20 genres, and some of them I've never even heard of before. (laughs) People contact me like, oh man, you're really good at this. I'm like, what is that? Like, You don't know this genre (laughs) of music? And then sometimes I look up psychedelic music and it's all like a certain form of psychedelic techno, um, which is nothing like my music. And so uh, I guess... I kind of think back to like the classic rock sound, the psychedelic rock sound, the the Pink Floyd sound. I know Pink Floyd was my favorite band in in high school, and I have some tributes to them in my music. And I've ended up covering a few Floyd tunes and a Sid Barrett tune just within the last year, more so. So people, um, other big Floyd fans, can finally find my music and uh, things like that. I had kind of a tribute series for Floyd and Sid Barrett and David Bowie that this year I just released uh, a cover of their stuff, but um, in, in, in tribute to them, but also so people can finally find me. I've had some pretty big mix-ups with my music as releasing music as John Clark. There's like 10 or 12 of us, apparently. I was going to say, it's a very common name. And uh, it's very hard to get our music separated onto one page. So when I release a song, I have to go to all the pages and find out that it's on this John Clark Jazz Musician's page and I have to separate it for both of us and it's a it's a huge pain um I should have went with you know in the past I've been in bands like the Mississippi Flapjacks the Helen Keller Nation Nine Rabbits Laughing bands that had pretty Helen Keller Nation yeah was the name of the band yeah but bands that just had you know oh there's only one name of that around you know yeah more <laughs> easily googleable yeah they would have never ha- had that problem and so yeah that's another Part of me was like, hey, I don't, want to, I don't need to hide behind a goofy band name anymore. I can release music as myself. And part of it was for that, but they, in retrospect, um, I could probably have probably seven different artist names that really fit those genres and unique names where people can uh, find me. Oh, lots of pseudonyms. I could have you know, had an instrumental act and a, more of a neo-psych act and a chiptune yeah, act yeah. now, but... 
Um, it's all just under a very generic name, John Clark. So mm. I finally started putting my face on some of my album covers and stuff too, just so people could. Oh, it's that John Clark, the one I do know, and yeah, that's what face he looks to like. The name. So. Yeah, you. I would imagine that you're heavily influenced by Sid Barrett as a songwriter. Yeah, I, I heard a lot of uh, yeah connections. Um, what is it about that kind of music or his sound that you really kind of identify with for yourself or? Uh, I, I feel like there are some bands that you just kind of get obsessed with there. It's, you know, you finally read their biographies or really dig deeper and they have a large catalog and, and, you know, there's been other great bands I've really liked, but they didn't have all that. And so there's been a handful of bands in my life that I've just kind of gotten obsessed with because of, um, you know, really delving in and, and figuring stuff out. I mean, the Grateful Dead's big like that and stuff too, but... Yeah, that, I was going to say, you have a Jerry Garcia-like approach to the, to the guitar, I thought. Thank you, yeah. I, uh, uh, and I was pretty big into widespread panic too for a while, so mm -hmm. uh, some of my leads, I, I've heard Michael Hauser before, you know, when he was their great guitar player. Um, but King Crimson, Elmfries McGee, mm -hmm. Ween, Flaming Lips, David Bowie, Harry Nilsson. Uh, oh, I love Harry Nilsson. You know, among some of my favorites there and that I've kind of been able to get obsessed with. Even the Mighty Boosh. I got really into the Mighty mm. Boosh uh, for multiple yeah, there reasons. musical numbers in that show. I was always like, oh, I could actually kind of they, they, jam out Yeah, they're this. like the full package of, you know, being hilarious and having personalities and also making quirky, fun songs. So quirky music... I mean, you could hear some of my yeah. songs and be like, it, it is more of a joke than a song, <laughs> you know? I've always seen right, right. the humor in music, uh, kind of like Tenacious D and Frank Zappa and those yep, people classic examples. who, uh, you know, aren't afraid to push the envelope but have a funny song, too. Humor's my other wow. uh, therapy, I guess. Music and comedy are, are the top two. Do you uh, just consume comedy, or do you ever do like any kind of writing, or it's just uh, something you kind of like to, to sit with? I it it's I just like to laugh at dumb stuff and kind of not think. Sometimes you know I, I feel like even even the Jackass movies they're so dumb, but uh, at a bad time in my life, that's when they came out, and I went to I remember crying at the theater, and I was just crying laughing, you know. But it got me away from life for a little bit and music yeah, does that for yeah, me too um but the therapy is in life so how do you find um because i i'm coming from a similar experience of working in a band setting and then i come to a point where i want to do stuff a lot more on my own and then i'm kind of working out uh you know the differences between those two approaches are you so you're totally oh sorry so you're totally doing Either I mean you're collaborating with people online in different to different extents depending on the project, but you're uh, you're writing and recording largely by yourself. How do you find that whole process compared to um, your previous experience working in a band? Um, well, I haven't gigged out in a couple of years now. Nine Rabbits Laughing was the last band I was in, and the uh, keyboard player for them, Nick Stanford, um, is a a good buddy of mine, but also uh, one of my main producers on my music. He does a lot of the keys and the synth work, and he does a lot of the production on some of my favorite songs I've done. Um, and so we still get to go hang out and do that and kind of collaborate. And it's, That's good. You know, playing music together, but not having to load gear up and out and 
and being, you know, disappointed that family and friends didn't make it or, or how yeah. much you made versus how much you were deserved to make and, uh, let it watching all the cover bands around town make mm. better money, you know, always kind of chat my ass a little bit as far as covers versus originals. It's hard for an original band to make it. Um, Washington, Missouri and St. Louis, Missouri don't show up on my top five, 50 cities on Spotify. And those are my, where I claim my stake, yeah, that's you know, closest to you. Um, and so in a way that kind of just says that, you know, some family and friends don't really like my music and that's fine. No, they, they don't have to, it is very out there. Uh, but it's easier for me to find a market for my music, you know, in, in a worldly place, you know, around the world yeah. and finding the niche markets of psychedelic rock or psych music or, or whatever you even want to call my music. Yeah, that's the, uh, I feel like that's the future. Like touring, depending on what kind of um, musician you are, touring can definitely be essential. It can be really rewarding, but it can also, there's a lot of um, expense and disappointment involved and if you find a way to kind of sidestep that yeah if i could if i could get some of this music more popular you know in a in whatever market then it would justify a tour i think for it to you know that would be kind of neat if if i was asked to do a tour because of the popularity of it instead of just you know the other way around but i've had i've got to play you know hundreds of shows in about 12 different states of the united states you know having fun in my bands and doing that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. But um and and some of those experiences were really 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 great and to say I've played this venue that venue, you know, is cool and kind of a notch on my belt, but in the last few years my favorite part about being in a band was band practice. <laughs> you mm. know, just having a full band come over and us to discuss songs and sit there and play and and you know, do our therapy together and have fun without any of the other part of the show having to affect that. The, the um, audience expectation yeah and so sort of thing i th- i miss band practice more than gigging hmm. it's kind of weird to say yeah it as much as it's uh kind of liberating and exciting to have all the tools at your immediate disposal for yourself as like a home recording musician definitely something i try to take full advantage of you do kind of lose something by not having that you know that room full of people and you all play together and kind of share that that evening. That is something that yeah, yeah. Kind of oh, I, it's not the same feeling, you know. I've had I've had some of those feelings on stage before. That's just like a glow, and it's just a weird feeling that you only get from doing that. And I don't get that feeling at band practice, but you know. So I do kind of know the difference, um, but more of my experience has been uh, kind of being a bedroom producer and and putting this music out. Um, more than touring and playing right now, and yeah. I have young children too. So now I'm home all the time, and you know maybe yeah. things could change later. I have a one year old baby, uh, a five year old daughter, and eleven year old stepson. So they keep us pretty busy. It's like four soccer games a week. <laughs> well, that's still really um, fantastic that you've been able to keep up. Um, like we said, this, um, the practice and then just this creative output keeps going, even though you're in what I would assume would be, uh, the busiest period of one's life. I know you've kind of talked about, uh, you know, being able to go out either out to a meadow or something and, and get the music out of you. That's your therapy in general. That's what, uh, really motivates you to keep going and keep, uh, keep hustling. Yeah. It's just uh... that, that, uh, 
Yeah, how, how would you articulate it? Some unconscious energy. Um, some of my songs, I feel like I'm not even saying the words and or I'm bringing them from somewhere else or there's possibly a get that spirit floating by yeah. me and making me say this one sentence too many times and people are like, why, did, why didn't you write a full <laughs> verse? You know, I was like, well, the spirit only wanted this line. Um, but yeah. also half of Cicadia... Uh, was a time of my life I was really kind of trying to get into lucid dreaming and mm. trying to keep a dream journal and do all those things that you're supposed to do to try to manipulate your dreams because I've always been fascinated by dreams. dreams and the idea of controlling them. Uh, but a handful of my melodies from the Cicadia album were written in lucid dreams. And then if I did wake up in time, um, I get the iPhone voice recorder out and hum the melody mm. from the dream and then sometime the next day possibly write a song to it or not but uh one of my most popular songs stick folk dream part two uh was written that way and it's a very simple melody but people have liked it from a lot of places and it's being remixed by a couple different people right now and there's growing versions and parts to the stick folk songs but um stick folk dream part two probably had the craziest story um of a song i've written in a while that it kind of started out with this lucid dream and and somebody dies in the song and I didn't know if it was just one of my depressing songs contemplating my own demise or not. Um, but the day I got the mastered track back uh, to hear for the first time, I was driving to a friend's birthday party, me and my wife in the car, I was showing her the song. And on the way home from that, we were hit head on by a drunk driver um, and he died. And uh, I was pretty mangled up. I got 26 screws and four plates put in my right knee and foot. And my wife lacerated her spleen. We were both just hurting on the side of the road. Um, but it was really strange. I never got that copy of the song back because it's in some junkyard in our mangled car. Oh, God. Um, but I found out who died in the song. And it was haunting. Um, I, I recall fading out in the ambulance as the morphine was kicking in to just the sound of the cicadas. Um, so it was kind of creepy. And at the same time, I like completely lost my ability to lucid dream after that. I had to go on a bunch of pain mm. pills and different medicines and uh, some pretty horrible things happened to your mind after, you know, something like that. that and trauma, so, yeah. yeah, I haven't been able to lucid dream since. Um, I used to have night terrors as a child, and those came back a little bit, which is also really weird. So I've always been, there's been something about dreams and the unconscious world. Um, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, my entire life, and I feel like that's, I mean, there's music that's being pulled from another place. So that's the whole, I think that's the key to the, the John Clark sound, sounds like. I think that's it. I mean, because I don't, I don't feel like I've written a, a single song ever. I mean, most of my friends and family would probably agree <laughs> that they've, you know, had to hear a few that I've tried to write through the years. But I'm not necessarily a songwriter. I, I feel like maybe songscapes or, or things like that, you know, or things that have, I'm, I'm a conduit for music. You're a channeler. Yeah. Definitely for myself, I approach composition in a different way, I would say, than yours. But, I mean, my theory about creativity and the, the best stuff and what lasts and what has that greater appeal is, is uh, when you're not 
coming up with it yourself or you're not artificially kind of forcing it out there. It's, it's like you're responding to something else in, in the world or your brain that you can't quite put your, your finger on. Yeah, it's I think, coming from a I think I've, accidentally, I've accidentally made a lot of music. <laughs> you accidentally make it. That's a great way to put it, yeah. But you create that opportunity to accidentally create it by, you know, showing up and you have the tools in front of you. You, you, you make that opportunity for, for stuff to come out. It's not like it's just going to come to you without doing anything. And with that, it's it's definitely kept me alive. I've I've done a lot of stupid things in my life, and I've lived through some horrible experiences, um, some self-inflicted, some some not. Um, but music has kept me alive through all those times of um, deep sadness and just wanting to give up on everything. Um, it, you know, I I pushed through it and and got through it and had a small EP that came with me, um, but. You know, you can't force those kind of things and good or bad. Yeah. Um, the emotions we have to live through um, accidentally helped me write conduit music. So, wow, that's that's touching, man. That's that's really cool. And uh, are you? I imagine you're still uh, you still have this uh, routine of producing a, a song a month or something, or. You're, so you're still, I had a, uh, I had a whole generating as we I had a whole third album ready for 2018 when I decided to start slip you know three albums in a year was kind of overkill and the way you put it on Spotify you can only pitch one of those songs and so you kind of shoot yourself in the foot by putting out out an album in a, in a right, bit right. today and I'm still gonna put out another album this year because I had it done and I and and you know screw conforming to the current landscape just to conform so yeah. uh, but. The other half of me has just slowly leaked out a song a month that I've been able to pitch and collaborate with other people and draw a little bit of swell towards. And so that's been fun to do that way, but I also see it as overkill, you know. Sometimes mm. it's cooler to see one release from a person in an album and get excited about it than, you know, if they release songs every two weeks, it probably gets kind of old. Like, oh, yeah, he's got a new song this week, just like last week. Yeah, there's uh, so finding a, balance a whole bunch there. of different ways to go about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, creatively speaking, you're still pretty yeah. go, go, go. Yeah, I think like. I had two full albums ready to go that are unreleased still and uh, working on a five-track EP of stuff that have come out in the last few months that I really like a lot more than that other stuff. So I haven't even really leaked out that whole back catalog yet. It's still, some of it's ready if I need to, but, you know, other things that have turned into, like, halfway written songs are now cool collaborations for other people. Um, so mm. some of these people I'm collaborating with, I'm like, hey, well, I have this started, but this is as far as I got with it. And they're like, hey, that's really cool. What a, What do you think if I did this? And I was like, well, you just earned your 50% of this song. Let's put it out, <laughs> you know? And you're a great producer, so I don't even have to go spend money there either. So, uh, you know, I look for other great artists and who are also good producers who want to do a track to, with me um, that... Oftentimes it started out with one of my songs or something I've started, but you know I'll start something and they can finish it, and it's better than releasing it as is or never releasing it. So that's been some of the fun of the collaborations. Yeah, the beauty of working together. Yeah, I should get into that more. Um, so, uh, any particular big plans or things you're excited about, goals you have for this uh, the coming year and beyond? 
at in in January I wanted to collaborate with nine artists this year, and um, I, you know, I think I'm at five or six already, and in that time, uh, a couple a month contact me about wanting to do a remix or or looking at a collaboration together. So, I think I'm definitely gonna hit that goal, and then I can make a new one. Um, but setting those goals for yourself and and knocking them down and slowly, you know doing them in smaller steps has been great so knowing that i'm finally gonna um accomplish that goal my second goal is to get something put in sync placement this year and so mm. i think i'll be able to do that but that goal might get you know pushed off to next year too because that's a whole nother world and it's a hard world to break into that is the licensing um, what what kind of um media do you see your music fitting well in uh I'm not sure. There's just so much, but I do add a lot of stuff to my music. So in the sync world, they, they generally want it to be more bare bones, you know, mm. so you can hear the dialogue behind a scene or something. I definitely yeah, don't write music dense. for sync and I've, I've, yeah. I've studied it a bit and done this or that. And I've not, I, I don't conform to it, but I do hear some of my songs be like, Hey, that, that could be on a TV show or a movie or a soundtrack mm. or, or any of that eight bit stuff could be on any app any little oh, gaming yeah, app for, for kids sure. or something, you know, there's, I, I feel like I'm missing out on some financial kickback there. Um, and that's what stinks for a lot of musicians. I think all of us really don't get enough, um, income as we deserve, um, or health insurance or, <laughs> you know, the, the model isn't there yet. Right. It's, it's still a very, uh, yeah, it's not fleshed out. It's un yeah a lot it's, of mystery. It's hard to break through, and I've I've yeah. I've never ha if I had my goal of breaking through, I probably wouldn't have put a second album out. Uh, but my goal is to you know have these songs about my life documented and out there for my kids to hear, and and not Which making X amazing amount of dollars of this year. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, some of my stuff probably won't be heard until after I finally do pass, and then. <laughs> well, who's to say? That's yeah, not. It'll the be there for that reason, one can though. Predict. Uh, so yeah, but that I mean that just if nothing else ever happened to have that goal for your family and to achieve that, that's like yeah. I've, so in a way, in in a lot of ways, I can say I've already achieved what I wanted to achieve with music. So brilliant. Everything else, else is, is just bonus. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's and yeah, the fact that people want to read remix some of my songs and the fact that people want to reach out from across the globe to do a song with me. Um, is even cooler, and that's just happened this year. Um, you know, so if I've been putting music out since 2013, and that didn't happen until 2019, that's kind of crazy. Um, but it also shows that I, I was kind of silently putting albums out and living under a rock, not networking at all, not marketing at all, not managing at all. Um, so that. But it's never too late to to start any of those things. Yeah, I'm I'm working. You know, I'm finally starting to promote some of my albums from years ago. Awesome. John, this has been a very interesting conversation. I'm glad we could make it happen. Thanks for, for coming on the pod. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Hey, it's me again, by myself. Hope you enjoyed listening to that. Uh, I haven't mentioned it in a while, so if you are digging this podcast, um, I mean, I always uh, appreciate getting your feedback directly if you ever want to shoot me a message on um, the Facebook page or send an email, thomas at niagaramoonmusic.com. 
But besides that, if you would ever feel inclined to leave a rating, good or bad, uh, or a review, good or bad, hopefully good, on iTunes, I would love me some of that. Uh, Please uh, check that out if you uh, have nice things to say or at least interesting things to say. And um, I'll be back next week, perhaps with an interview, perhaps with a song breakdown, maybe something else. I'll figure it out. So why don't we end off with some lovely music. Here is uh, John Clark's song, Stick Folk Dream, Part 2. me.